right, let's begin. You can stand, you can sit, you can jump, you can shout, you can plow. Here we go. Job chapter number 42. And Job answered the Lord, I know that you can do all things and no purpose or plan of yours will be thwarted. You ask, who is this that darkens counsel without knowledge? I've declared without understanding things that are too wonderful for me to know. You said, pay attention and I will speak and I will question you and you will answer me. I've heard of you by the hearing of the ear. I heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. And I repent, I abhor myself. I repent in dust and ashes. And after the Lord has spoken these things to Job, he said to Eliphaz the Temanite, my anger stirred up against you and all the likes of you. Okay, that was my own translation. And your two friends, because you've not spoken what is right as my servant Job has. So now take seven bulls, seven rams, go to my servant Job and offer a burnt offering for yourselves. And my servant Job will intercede for you and I will respect him so that I not deal with you according to your folly because you've not spoken what's right about me as my servant Job has. And so they went, Eliphaz the Temanite, and Bildad the Shuite, and Zophar the Nehemiahite. And they did just as the Lord had told them. And the Lord had respect for Job. So the Lord restored what Job had lost after he prayed for his friends. And the Lord doubled all the things that belonged to Job. And so they came to him, all his brothers and sisters and all that had known him before, and they dined with him in his house. And they comforted him and consoled him for the trouble the Lord had brought on him. And each one gave him a piece of silver and a gold ring. So the Lord bless. Hey, this is X2M. There is a second exodus upon us an exodus to the millennium. And so the Lord blessed the second part of Job's life more than he had the first. And now he has 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen and 1,000 female donkeys. He had seven sons and three daughters. And the first daughter was Gemini, and second, Keziah, and the third, Karen Hapak. And however, in all the land, there couldn't be a woman found that were as beautiful as Job's daughters. And their father granted them an inheritance alongside their brothers. And he lived another 140 years. And he saw his children and their children to a fourth generation. And so Job dies. All good and of old age. I declare to you, this end time move that's on us, I declare to you, flee to the stronghold of Zion, for the Lord says, I will restore to you double, double everything you've lost. We flee up into the heavens, to a rock that's higher than I, up into the heavens, up into the heavens, 
up into the heavens. Up we go. Come on, let's go up and see our God. Wash your hands and accept his blood. The king is waiting for us to come. Come on, let's go, let's go, let's go up. Come on, let's go up and see our God and see our God. Wash your hands and accept his blood. The king is waiting for us to come. Waiting for us to come. Waiting. Oh. Mm-hmm. say this I am clean through the word that's been spoken over me I am clean through the word that's been spoken over me I am clean I am clean I'm being made holy Bring captive the thoughts of your mind His kingdom is all that resides You are blameless and pure of heart Because of what our big brother bought So bring captive the thoughts of your mind Till his kingdom is all that resides You are blameless and pure of heart Because of what our big brother bought Come on, let's go up mm, Come on, let's go up on, let's go out. The king is waiting for us to come. Come on, let's go out. Come on, let's go out. Come on, let's go out. The king is waiting for us to come. Oh, come on, let's go out. Come on, let's go. Let's go out. The king is waiting 
Let's go up and see our God Wash your hands and accept his blood And the king is waiting for us to come He says you're clean, come on in Oh, the king is waiting for us to come Oh, he's a gentleman, oh, the king is waiting, oh. Cast aside. a hill that we call reality it's a deception to keep us earthly cause we are invited to the heavenlies if you just believe what our groom is saying Let's go up and see our God Wash your hands and accept his blood The king is waiting for us to come Come on, let's go Let's go, let's go up Come on, let's go up and see our God Wash your hands and accept his blood And the king is waiting He's waiting Come on, let's go If you're in need of healing in your body, one particular issue that the Holy Spirit's telling me right now is, um, which I don't know how you would know this, but it has to do with uh, uh, the pancreas. It, I mean, does anybody have an issue with a pancreas issue that you know about? All right. Lord, I ask you by your spirit right now to identify this issue. And I pray for your healing, Lord, for any kind of pancreatic issue in this room. Jesus, thank you for your healing. We just thank you, Lord, right now. If you have a physical a physical um, healing need and you want uh, prayer, I tell you what, just um, raise your hand. Physical uh, healing issue, raise your hand. All right, if you see someone raising their hand, go to them and pray over them. Uh, like Steve's over here, I believe Jennifer. Anyone else, if you got a physical, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, release healing, Lord. Release healing, Lord. Release the dimension of the miracles in this room. Mm. Oh, we just receive your healing, Lord. Mm. Um, anybody with diabetes, an issue with diabetes? Is that, 
Any diabetic or any diabetes issues? Okay. Just pray, just pray. I declare to you breakthrough. Maybe it's someone also that's watching on YouTube or listening to the audio dealing with diabetic issues or pancreatic issues. In the name of Jesus, we ask you now, release your healing. Release your healing now. Just stay with it. Just stay here. Psalms 103, praise the Lord, O my soul, with all that's within me, praise, praise his holy name, I will praise the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all his kind deeds. I am the one who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. I am the one who delivers you from the pit and crowns your life with loyal love and compassion. I am the one who satisfies your life with all good things. I restore your youth even as the eagle. Restore our youth, Lord. Oh, 
You know, talk to them like you talk to your babies. And uh, sometimes me and my babies, we have like a little talk. And we um, we just communicate with each other. <laughs> and I'm so like excited. I think I'm going to explode up here. And he's like, all right, we're just going to dial it down and have a little talk. Because we're all going to explode together. <laughs> Listen to what he says. He told me, he says, I want to give them their youth. I want to give them, I want to restore everything back to them. I want to give you everything, Tom McManus. Everything. All the vitality. All the human longings that's been in you. The greatness that dwells in you. I want to give it to you. I want to give you back everything that was stolen. I want to restore your soul. I want to give you everything. Everything belongs to the Lord. Jesus said, all things are mine and all things are yours. All things. Remember, remember the youth. I give it back to you. The Lord says to me, I give you back vitality. Behold, I make all things new. Behold, I, everything is new. I'm telling you, everything is new. Everything is new. Oh, 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 oh. Like your heart's beating, saying, I believe you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. All my springs are in you. Everything I have is in you. Oh, 
oh, oh. Everything is yours. All that the Lord has is yours. Oh, say he's mine. He's mine. Say it to him. He loves it. You're mine, Lord. You're mine. satisfy your life with good things I will restore your new your youth like the eagles I am the Lord and I am fair and I'll execute justice for all the oppressed I am the Lord and I will reveal my faithful acts to you like I did to Moses and I will reveal my deeds like I did to the Israelites Oh, the Lord is great and compassionate and merciful. He's patient. He demonstrates his loyal love to us now. Love, whole love. It's still going to be true, Lord. It feels too good to be true. But you're the truth. You're the way. You're my life. Oh, I found my lover. I found the one I long for. Oh, oh God. Oh. Lift up your hand, all you saints, and lift up your everlasting door, and the King of Glory will come in. This is what he would say to us. I will not always accuse. I will not always stay angry. Listen to him. He does not deal with us even the way our sins deserve to be treated. He does not repay us for the misdeeds that even we deserve. For as the sky is high above the earth, his loyal love, it towers over his faithful followers as for the eastern horizon it's from the west so he removes if you can receive this he removes all our guilty stains now like it's already done it's a revelation I pray that you will receive this revelation all the guilty stains are gone it's over it's over he's already done it you don't have to do anything else 
just just say receive I receive I receive this message I receive this receive your word I'm clean you're clean through the words that is spoken over you all the promises of God are yes and amen unto the glory through you
Come and sit on your throne Ascend the hill in the arm of your strength yeah, We give you ourselves Oh Jesus do something I've never done before. If you want to do this, you don't have to. No imposition. Okay, I want you to line up across the front of this room. And what the Lord's telling me to do, I'm just going to go by and I'm going to pray over each one of you. And, wanna, and if my wife will come with me. And it, I just want to pray over you. I've like resisted this for so long because I don't like the false prophetic. And I... I just don't come down from the stage because of that, because I've seen so much abuse with the prophetic office. But he told me to do this, so I'm gonna do it. Listen, this is a declaration today, and I want you to receive this as a declaration of your life, and you don't have to, but as Kara and I are gonna move and pray for you, this is a declaration of your life. That just like Joshua the high priest who was the leader of all of Israel, that the Lord is declaring over you complete, absolving everything over your life. Every judgment, every judicial thing, every, uh, the past, the sins of the past. It, this, is, this is a day and I don't want you to ever forget it, a day marked in um, your prophetic history in God. If I am clean, I tell you the truth, I've received this truth into myself. It's changed my entire life. If you receive this truth, if you receive this truth from him, that he said this over his people, over his guys and over his gals, he called them clean through the word that he has spoken over them. And that the Lord would declare you Righteous. I think this is the greatest war in the end time move that there's been. The enemy has assaulted God's people. He's assaulted me my entire life on this message. And tried to tell me a different report than the one that I know that I can believe in and trust the one who is living inside of me. That Christ in me. And when I look at the Christ man who is living inside of me, He said it. Peter said it. He said, um, and somebody probably knows it. Uh, the one who believes or something, that they're no longer sin. Something like that. You know this verse? Can you help me? I know in the John, it says, you know, one of the Johns, it says, you know, he that says he has no sin, he's a liar and the truth is not in him. And that's not what I'm talking about. 
Let me tell you, that's the truth. That's in the scripture. What I'm talking about is Christ in you. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the Christ man in you. I need you to distinguish between the two difference, the one of the flesh and the one born of the spirit. Because if we walk in the spirit, we will not gratify the deeds of the flesh. And we will not go after the longings and lust after the flesh, but we will walk in the spirit. And when we walk in the spirit, we will not walk in sin. And we, oh man, because of this message, Whoa, the great exploits the church is about to unfold. Believing, believing the one who lives in me is Christ in me. This is the testimony that he wants us to have. I trust you, Lord. This is your testimony. Whoa, I trust you over this congregation, Lord. I trust you that we are free because you came to liberate us from bondage, the bondage that comes from sin. I declare over this people complete and utter freedom and that they would not walk in fear anymore, that you are the people of the Lord. anyone have oil you have a bridge okay all right my voice is the sound of a thousand bells hear me nations hear Israel my song is the water of the purest well hear me heaven fear me hell my dance carries thunder Look at me, know he is God. My voice is the sound of a thousand bells. Hear me, nations, hear Israel. My song is the water of the purest well. Hear me, heaven. Hear me, hell, my dance carries thunder from the throne of Yah. Look at me and know he is God. My hands hold the cure for every disease. They're covered in blood and oil and leaves. My laughter and tears create things unseen. The atmosphere changes and God's released. My worship's armed with spirit and truth. Sacred, accepted, and pleasing to you.
God of creation, ancient, alive and new. God of nations, uncharted galaxies, and God who is spirit, He is alive in me. And our praises rise like a weapon in your hand. Sing all praises to God. Let our praises rise like incense, incense. Can you smell the incense?
Lift your hands to the Lord and thank Him. Give Him thanks. I declare to you it's a different day. I declare you, you a new day in the Lord. Freedom from sin. Free from the consciousness of sin. But I declare it over you in the name of Jesus. For what His blood has purchased and bought on Calvary. It's a done deal. It's finished. listen your enemy will try to come and tell you that what happened to you today is not real or the testimony that you've received is not true I know this because I that rascal is always trying to play a game and I want to tell you I want to tell you the easiest way to route him and when he comes to you and he tries to tell you a lie and he says things about you that are not the testimony of Christ in you you tell him that that's not Christ in me you tell him that. And if you have to make something right, just quickly turn to the Lord and look at the Lord. If you get off, just turn to him and the fullness of Christ's delivery is right there in you in the moment. You don't have to go through long processes of like, I've, got, I've been going down, I've done. you don't have to do that. All you've gotta do is you turn to him instantly. He's right there in the moment in you, living his life in you. And it only gets better. You say, I'm not a manipulator. No, I'm not. And I'm not a controller. No, I'm, I'm not. No, because I am who's living in me. That's not who he is. And I receive no other testimony other than the Lord Jesus Christ. I receive no other testimony about myself. I will not have it. This is the fastest way. This is the quickest path of sanctification. You receive the revelation of the Lord, Christ in you. Christ in me, the hope of glory. And wake up in the heavens. Wake up in the Lord, knowing I'm living my life in you. Taking the full, the full divine nature into yourself. your heart is warm you can feel the love going reverberating through your skin and the electric charge of the Lord while he takes over your being fully relinquished to the Lord I'm yours and you're mine oh, get your
circumstance doesn't define me Christ defines me my past doesn't define me Christ in me defines me the wages of sin doesn't define me Christ defines me my lack doesn't define me it's Christ in me Christ in me Christ in me that defines me you're my objective proof. You're my definition, Lord. You're my only definition. Mm-hmm. Oh, do you feel him? I'm sure you do. Oh, let the one take over and see his eyes through your eyes. Looking through you. Looking through your eyes. It's Christ in you looking out of you. Science! 
I'm the Lord's little brother. I'm the Lord's little brother. And you're his sister. You can say this, I'm the Lord's little brother, Mills. And you can say I'm his little sister, females. He's my big brother and I'm in his family. And he's not ashamed to call me his brother and sister. No, he's not ashamed of you. He purchased you. But he purchased you on Calvary. Woo-hoo. Oh, I've been purchased by the blood. Mm-hmm. Oh, I bless the blood, the work of the cross. Mm-hmm. I magnify the cross. Mm-hmm. I magnify your resurrection. Now magnify. stand against the blood, against the blood. Oh, believe, believe in the blood. Believe in the blood, what was paid for in the blood. Oh, don't short circuit. They overcame him by the blood and the word of their testimony. And they didn't love their lives to the death, to the death. (laughs) For we have died (laughs) and Christ is our life. I've already died, and Christ is my life. It's no longer I that lives, just life in the flesh. It's Jesus Christ alive in me. opportunity Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world not just partial sin, all your sin, not some like 65% sin, no 100% sin. 
Yeah, all inbred sin, all iniquity, all removed. Righteousness of God in Christ Jesus created for good works. Mobilize Christ in me, mobilizing me to deploy against my enemy, deploy against your enemy. triumphant and militant we're the ecclesia and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God come down in our nation come down of your warfare and not carnal but they're mighty pulling down a stronghold raise your weapon raise the weapon it's the sword of the spirit which is the word of God we release the word of God Now, we're 
Fly, fly away, angels in the air, mounting up with the forces of the army of God, deploying to fight on behalf of those who inherit salvation in our land. Today will um, culminate the end of our series that we've been in, Guardian of God's Courts. Congratulations <laughs> on guarding the house. Man, y'all are amazing. Just a little, re another recap. I did this a few weeks ago, which like five weeks ago at X2M 124. But I just want to do a little recap, and then we'll jump into the, for today, Isaiah chapter 60, verse 22 says, and the least of you will multiply into a thousand. The smallest of you will become a large nation. When the right time comes, I, the Lord, will quickly do this. And I'm sure for many of us waiting on the um, kairos, right? The moment in time, waiting, uh, right? Before the Father for the, the moment in time when God in the heavens is just like, okay, it's, it's time. And so when the right time comes, and he gave me this, and so I'm thinking, yeah, you're saying it's time. And okay, I'll believe you. It's time to take even the least, you know, of a people group and multiply them into a thousand. 
and take the smallest of you and become a large nation. You know, I don't know about you. I know I've dealt with this a lot personally. And some people say, no, you wouldn't deal with that. It's all I've probably dealt with is it seems so weak and it seems so little, that little action that you take to like say, you know, I'm gonna follow you or I'm gonna do what you say. The one that's hidden that no one's ever gonna know about except him and the, the little moment in your life when you're choosing to love. And you're making those decisions in yourself throughout the week and you're thinking, no one's ever gonna see this. And the Lord would want you to be confident that he sees. And that you know that greatness is shut up inside of you because God placed greatness in you. He made you for something that is so profound and revolutionary, reformationary, restorationary. <laughs> you know what I mean? Transfiguratory. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he made you for something so special and uniquely crafted you for himself. And then he asked you to come and do these little tiny little actions that no one notices, the little movements of the heart with a promise in Isaiah 60, 60 22, that what appears to be so small, and this is where it's found, this is where the rubber meets the road, this is where the covenant is born out of. It's in the tiny little insignificant nothing places when no one's looking except maybe you and him that you make the movement in your heart to love, that you make the movement in your heart to forgive, that you make the movement in your heart to give. And you make that tiny decision that appears to be nothing and everyone else would count it, especially in this world with this bling bling thing going or whatever you call it. It's tech, big thing, big show. And the Lord's not looking for that. He's looking for the small movements, the, those little movements. And you know, he told me years ago, keep making them. Nobody's gonna know. It doesn't matter. Are you doing this before them or before me? Keep making the little movement. Just the tiny one, just the tiniest thing. And sometimes for many of us, that's all we've got. I hold on to those little moments when it's like, I'm, I'm just gonna do it in front of you. And I have found, and the reason why I have these X2M number, numbered, because the Lord took me in to see his ways instead of his acts. And that's why I wanna encourage you in today. Because God would give you a perspective of a God's eye view over your life and pull you out of yourself, whether in the body or out of the body, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, is that right? Anybody correct me? 10 verse seven, somewhere. whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. Why? Because it's both. I remember, and what happens to you as you grow and mature in the Lord, you will be able to begin to not just see out of your own eyes, but you can see yourself in yourself. And you need that because you need perspective. You need the phenomenological self and the ontological self. You don't know what I'm talking about, do you? <laughs> you need being ontology. To be you and you, him and you. But you need phenomenology. You need the perspective of the phenomenon that's happening outside of yourself, in yourself, because that is what the scripture calls uh, wisdom. That's what Moses what I was bringing out last week, when he knew God's ways and not just his acts. 
The acts of ontology are in being, but the, acts, the way of phenomenology is outside of being. And that you would be blessed with that. And what happens is, it, we didn't, I didn't know this, that you as a creative being and I, and this isn't some kind of special class human that I am, which I am, <laughs> special class, God class, just like you. <laughs> that outside of yourself, in your, seeing into yourself, you would have the wisdom of God that you were made that way by the Lord to have a perception outside of your perception. Do you understand? You were made that way. And you need that perspective because that perspective outside of yourself will be again to guide yourself through yourself or from him and through him and to him be the glory. It's Trinitarian doctrine is what I'm giving you really of incarnation. I mean, that's what it is. Christ in you is incarnation. What I'm talking to you right now is Trinitarianism. That is how it works. And what, what had happened to many of us because of the fall, we had lost our ability to perceive. The fall blinded us and put everything in close. It put the blue and the red right up close to us. Instead of knowing you're a purple pearl, <laughs> like Melinda. You had to listen to last week's message if you were <laughs> here, you won't know what it's talking about. But she is royal, like a pearl. And so are you. And when you come into this Christ in you, you realize every day is like this. And everything, what happens is the blue system and the red system, they boom, go out and now you see. And there the son of man is. Go back, listen, watch the YouTube video. You can watch that one. X to M 125 maybe. But you can watch that message. Listen, uh, preset message on there the son of man is. The one who is in you when you can see your enemy from afar. Now I pray this over you that you would not just be an ontologist because we have put so much into being which is important. Don't get me wrong because our culture has bro been broken so bad in the area of being because they've got so involved in doing that being had to be restored. And I found that I found that doing and being and what I was bringing out last week on that why question, if you would go to a what question instead of a why question, you would cross over into that place, you would cross over into I am. And then when you come over into I am, I am is in you. John 17, you can read it. it I'm not giving you some kind of heresy here. Christ in you, you know. I am in you. I am. It's, it's the greatest ontology that there is. Years ago, I think five or six years ago, I was mourning the loss of not being a, you know, a fighter jock and all that. And it was just killing me because our family was going through all kinds of problems and it was just hardship after hardship. And we're saying yes to Jesus and um, pastoring is sometimes, it's been, it's wonderful now. It was really hard back then. This, this is probably one of the best times I've ever had in this. But, um, and I was just like mourning losses. Oh, God, if I not, if I'd have just stayed in a jet, this thing wouldn't have been so bad. And I was really having a hard time. And so I went online and I found the, the Air Force was still recruiting combat controllers, which is Air Force Special Forces. And I was like, I'm, I'm like 40 and I'm like, I'm going to try. Because I had nine years under my belt and I thought I could go back and I was going to do that thing. And I was like, oh, I could be a spec operator. And, um, 
you know, I'll just go get myself in shape and get myself ready over the next year and then maybe they'll accept me back. And I remember I was sitting before the Lord and I, he just kind of like taps me on the shoulder sort of like, you want an identity like that? And I said, yeah. <laughs> I do because this dying for you thing is not pretty. <laughs> and I would rather go on a battlefield and die and everybody says, there's a hero, and he died on the battlefield, and, you know, I don't want to leave my wife and kids, but, you know, it was selfish, I admit, but I just was like, I'd rather die, I can't take this anymore, man. Now, I don't know if you know what I mean, but when the Lord, you know what I mean? When the Lord takes you down a long path, you start mourning the losses. This philosophy that we went into of lose your life for my sake in the gospel thing, it is not working out. <laughs> It's looking bad. It's looking really bad. I look bad. I, you look bad because of me. <laughs> I feel terrible. And I was just like, if I could get out of this thing, I was like, you know, and it, here's the thing too, if you try to get out of it, it just makes it worse. And when the Lord puts his hand on you, you might as well go ahead and just be like, kill me fast, kill me now. Kill the old man, let the old man die. Because <laughs> it's just better. Just don't stick me with a fork. Just, just uh, Take the thing off right off the top, you know, and that head will not come off. You know what I mean? Everybody's laughing because you know. And I was sitting there, I was in my identity, my identity, I want to be a spec operator for the Air Force or, you know, I might not be as good as a, one of those Navy SEAL guys, but I might could be an Air Force guy. And I could jump out of airplanes and do all kinds of cool stuff, you know. I love the idea of that, infiltrate underwater, you know. I wanted to do it. I just always wanted to do it. You know, you understand? Maybe not. Maybe you don't have that identity, you know. Maybe your identity, this lady back here, you're a poet. She has poetry in her. You know, that's, I'm not saying that's your identity, but that's your, you have a gift. Uh, and we all have different things. I was, do you want that identity? I said, I sure do. And he says, you know, when they come to accuse me, uh, you just give me a kiss on the cheek, rascal. Anyways, I mean, he called him the son of perdition, so that wasn't very nice, was it? But he was. And so he kissed him on the cheek, and, and then he's like, and, you know, Peter's got his little thing, you know. And, was, and then they said, are you Jesus of Nazareth? And he says, I am. Who goes back? The, the elite military of their day. And the word's like, which identity do you want? And I said, done. I threw my magazine in my drawer on uh, Spec Ops. I was like, I'll take yours. <laughs> I mean, at the highest, most resilient, most amazing people that we can produce, they're infinitely separated from the one, <laughs> Jesus. He's infinitely better than. And yet, he's humbled himself, condescended himself to man to become like us so that we could become like him. Ooh. And I was like, now that's a science of being right there. That's a ontology right there. I mean, wouldn't you like that? You're so used, Stephen Scroggs, uh, Stephen Scroggs, Stephen Paul Scroggs. You're so you, you're so you that when you say, they say, who are you? I'm Stephen Scroggs. I know, that guy, he believes what he's saying. You understand? Ann Nolan knows what I'm saying. She told me when she first came to Collider, she says, you know what you're doing? I said, nope. 
I don't. She says, you're causing us to connect to him. It isn't me, of course, it's the Holy Spirit, but I mean, it is what we're after is what we want you to experience is full ontological connection to God without violating his transcendence. What I mean by that is God is uncreated and so he has these communicable attributes that he extends to us and there are non-communicable attributes. Read A.W. Pink if you want to on the attributes of the Godhead. But there are communicable attributes and you want all of them, don't you? Yes, you do. Yes and amen to that. You want every bit of the divine nature that you can take. Yes and amen. Because everything that he has purchased, you want it all, right? Hey, you don't want to be like, no, I don't want, you know, I do that false humble thing. Don't do that. Say, I want all that you pay for. Everything. I want, I I do. And he really makes him happy. You know, you'd think, man, all y'all, you just, he wants to give you everything he has. He's a loving God like that. He really is. He's not like stingy. He's not sort of like, you may tell you how I know because the parable of the guy who gets paid the same at the beginning of the day as the guy at the end of the day. If you think he's like, if you think he's like, you got to pay your dues, just read that parable. He's not. It says he's no respecter of persons. So God's not respecting you or me because you paid your dues or you did that works righteousness thing. He's not doing that. He's like, freely receive, freely give. I want to just bless you. I'm going to hook you up. Now I want to do that for you today. That's what, it's like people said, no, you can't do that. Paul said, no, you can't tell them that. He says, if you give them the grace of God, they'll continue in sin. He said, no, God forbids that. The grace of God that he's extended to you is not to continue in sin. It's grace to liberate you from sin. It's not because you become less holy and just do what a license to do whatever you want. No, holiness and cleanness and purity of heart and truth is everything. You want it. You want him like that. I feel like clean as a whistle. I keep telling my wife, I'm like, I don't know what's happened to me. I feel so good every single day. I can't hardly take it. (laughs) It's me. It's me, Herb, the whole time. No, I'm just playing. It's a joke in our family. It's me, Herb. I didn't even know Herb was there. Y'all don't know what I'm saying, but we do. The Moffats do. It's like when you wake up one day, he's like, I was here the whole time. What have you been doing? Where have you been? I was like, over there doing my own thing. He's like, exactly. It's me here the whole time in you. Claire, Christ in you the hope of glory. Wake up to the Christ in you, the hope of glory. <laughs> so we don't just need, we don't need just an ontology of being, a science of being. We need a science of phenomenology that shows us ourselves like Moses had, shows his ways so that we can walk in his acts, the, the, doing, or the being, and then out of being comes doing. But you don't have to be spinning your cycle on being all the time. You can receive the engrafted word into your soul and be done with it. You, could, you don't have to get headlocked in your mind and in your emotions all the time. You don't have to do that anymore. I'm just going to tell you, you don't. You can just be free. You can. You can it's, it's really so simple. I find it to be the most simplest thing. The convolution goes. The dilution goes. Everything goes. And you're just like, no, I'm... The Lord, he's got me, man. I'm, I'm good to go. 
Somebody says something off to you, you're like, it's not me. I don't know what you're talking about. You must be talking about somebody else. That's not me. Christ is in me. He's running my, uh, he's running the man 2.0. <laughs> All right. The right time has come. And so there's a quick move of the Lord. It wasn't like we were building up to something. He was always there. It's not like you're going to work yourself into this. He's there right now. It's, oh man, I'm, he's in you, Helen Furby, right now. I know you know, but you know, right now. It's not like I'm going to climb. I'm going to cross the Chile, Jordan. <laughs> I'm going to go climb the heights of the Hughes. No, he's in there. <laughs> oh, that's why I was getting so excited about this morning. Okay. So we, our ministry, we went through 70 weeks of Collider, found out at the end of 70 weeks we had been in exile. That was fun. <laughs> the Lord's calling his people out of the wilderness. Listen, you and I are not meant to have a wilderness mindset. You're a people of promise, period. Some of that mindset tried to inculcate into our thinking and our mindset. And I'm telling you, Christ in you is a promised land mindset. It's, so you don't have to give yourself to that ideology more. It's over with. You don't, I don't I'm somewhere located in the wilderness. No, you're not. Not unless you want to be, because the Lord is not going to impose himself on you and make you be some anti-wilderness person. You want to live in the wilderness, go live there. They do have palm trees, and it gets hot. <laughs> you might find some water every once in a while, but you could be over there eating corn <laughs> and drinking wine. Non-alcoholic wine. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> the new wine. Thank you. <laughs> we go through that exile, and then our ministry went through 20 weeks of temple building, and then 20 weeks of the double helix. I did a thing at Stephen Melinda's house on it. You can listen to that. We'll get that out. And then we've been in this series, a, a consummation series, um, The Seven Visions of Zechariah. And we went through a governor of the nations, took eight weeks, and I can't go through all this. I need to get into the day. Guardian of God's court, welcome to X2M-129 Promulgator. <laughs> Not alligator, Promulgator. Here I go. Here is my presentation for you. X2M-129. <laughs> Mount the dark horse. <laughs> Where is Steve Scroggs at? Will you ask him, because he's writing me right now. Uh, will you ask him, he's asking about having communion, which I'd like to do, but I don't. Do you know where he's at? Mm. Okay, and then we can see about having communion at the end of the service, because I try to answer what he's saying. Back to Mount the Dark Horse. Okay. <laughs> I told my mom this week at the beach, I was like, I've always hated public speaking. I never wanted to be a public speaker. I just want to fly jets, be alone, tell people what to do. I never wanted to be a public And I'm like loving it now. It's when the Christ in you gets a hold of you, it just happens. I've never been so happy. <laughs> it's so good. Let me convince you. <laughs> You didn't get, you know, it's like, Lord's like, make that guy a preacher because once he gets convinced, 
everybody's going to be like, yep, that's something happened. <laughs> uh, so a dark horse, someone told me, he's like, this is going to happen in this end time. And I, so I'm speaking to you now. Okay. Mount the dark horse. What is a dark horse? Um, a dark horse is a competitor in a race or a contest about whom little is known and unknown. A, a competitor in a race or contest about whom little is known and unknown. Remember, it's the little thing. We were looking at earlier in Isaiah chapter 60, verse 22. And out of the little thing, out of the unknown, the Lord is going to manifest in this end time. A people who have been unknown is going to be brought forward. Listen to this, number two, a person who reveals little about himself or herself or his or her activities, especially one who has unexpected talents or abilities. Um, do you know what that quality is called, like technically? I mean, part of the quality would be valor. It's not someone who's trying to get their show on the road or get their act out there or trying to um, be that person that everybody recognizes, sees, gets accolades, affection from, whatever. It's someone who is, you as a believer, and I, and I know that you've been down this path because you cannot go down this path with the Lord and not went into a place of being unknown. Um, that's part of the process. Uh, for many of you, you started out being known and then you were known like uh, David was at Gibeah, many of you in here in this room. And then you went to Adullam. You went through the cave years. And that season that the Lord has had you in for his purposes have been to wash out, I believe, anything that you could do. So that what he would bring forth would be to the praise of his glory of what he would do through you. And I, I'll tell you any, any time that you've been trying to make yourself known, or, and, and I'm sure that you've felt this when you've been looked over, marginalized, felt like nobody noticed. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Everybody in here knows what I'm talking about, don't you? Someone looks uh, away from you. You were trying, hey, it's me, Herb. <laughs> you know, and they're like, I don't know Herb. <laughs> You know, hey, wait, what about me? I, do you recognize my gift? Do you see what I'm about? Do you see that I have something to offer? They don't even know you're in the room. They're looking for someone to give you something to uh, promote you, to uh, get your next step up, to get your thing going. Someone who could really know you and value you and recognize you. Some of you have been through this even in your own homes. You've been through this in your marriages. Some of you have been through this with some of your closest friends. Some of you have went and uh, scoured the earth, uh, went on vacations, uh, lived up the life. Sometimes you feel or have felt or been through this thing of real aloneness, a place of unknownness. Just, no one's going to really get me. No one knows me. I feel all by myself. And some of you <laughs> have woke up like me and forgot what your name was. <laughs> just had a... I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but that is the strangest thing. <laughs> I remember waking up one time, I was in military uniform, and I looked down, and I was like, who is Moffat? <laughs> I didn't even know who I was. And some of you have wanted to forget who you are. 
Some of you have been like, man, I wish I could just die. I'm tired of this. I hate this. I hate this person always passing me over. The person I crave the attention from the most sees me the least. And I want to suggest something to you because I've had to learn this so deeply within myself, but I believe that you see this in the passage and I believe this will minister to you this morning. That every transaction of God, when he goes to make a transformation or a transfiguration in you, that he requires some kind of vacancy of your own knownness or unknownness out of yourself so that he can impart his self into your person. That God himself has created vacancy in a place of darkness so that he could carve out a place where he could be Christ in you. And that, that you would begin to even crave it. I crave the unknownness to myself. I crave the unknownness uh, to others. I crave that place of aloneness where it's just me and my maker. I'm longing for it and I don't have to be afraid anymore in the context. Everybody's around me. Nobody's near me. It doesn't matter. One himself has found himself in me. This is necessary for tabernacles. This is necessary for transfiguration. It's a necessity of the Lord. And it's confused so many people and it's it's isolated some and they've taken their isolation and, and turned it into um, they're binging Netflix, getting a bunch more alcohol, doing some pharmaceuticals, doing all kinds of stuff they're not supposed to be doing. But in that vacancy, uh, some kids been cutting themselves, all kinds of stuff, trying to find something that could give meaning and purpose in life. And if you would just sit in it with him, I mean, it gets all over you. Everybody in here knows what I'm talking about, don't you? You know that what I speak is from the Lord and it's true, that this is the truth, that that vacancy gets all over you and you feel alone. You feel backed into a corner, proverbially speaking. You could be like, uh, my daughter was writing me, she, and Kara, she's in Rome and she's like, I'm out here and I'm like, feel so alone. And I was, in one sense, I, you know, I feel for her because I have empathy towards her, but then I was like, get her, Lord. <laughs> get my baby, Elizabeth. Get our baby. Go in on her. And she had an encounter. I was like, yep, yeah, she's going to have an encounter. God created a vacancy in the middle of the context of all her friends, a big trip and all that creates a vacancy in her so he could reveal himself to her and impart his own nature into her. For years of this, I've thought, personally, I've thought this will never end. It's always going to be. And I'll tell you something that is distinctly different. You've already heard me say it, is when you will turn into the darkness where God is. Because he's light. And that you would make this decision when the vacancy hits and the pain hits and the person didn't notice you or they did, they did, but they didn't get it right. <laughs> you know, that's, that's really a funny person too. You didn't really like show me how amazing I was. It was like, dad, damn it. <laughs> I, it was way better than the way you came off with it. <laughs> you know, I don't know if y'all know what I'm talking about, but there's some people that they're just like, you gave me a parade, but it wasn't as good as I wanted it to be. 
Some of the millennials are like that. I deal with this some at home. But you didn't do that for me, but it was like this big thing. It's like, it wasn't big enough. <laughs> it's like, what the heck? My dad was glad to get an orange at Christmas. <laughs> we just bought you like the Taj Mahal and you're not happy. Anyways, I'm, we didn't. But I'm just saying, it's like the unknownness and thing, the vacancy comes in on you and the word's like, I'm convinced now, I'm convinced that if you'll, if you'll run into him in the place where you feel all like pressed in and you'll just say, I'm turn, you turn your heart towards him, he'll just come rushing on in. We have it happen in worship. Stephen and I, when we started back uh, together the last couple of years, man, we were in worship and all of a sudden that big vacant thing hits the whole atmosphere and him and I look at each other like terrified. Like, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? I don't know what to do. I remember one Sunday I just stood there like this. I don't know what to do. <laughs> and I just stood there and Juliana said after that she was completely convinced that we were walking with the Lord. <laughs> I was like, how? There was nothing that happened. She said, exactly. <laughs> no, she didn't say that. But I mean, the, the vacancy. So that the Lord could jump on inside and begin to take over, and the impartation of God could impart Himself into you. I, I want to confess this, though, that I believe that if you can make the turn in yourself, that when you're feeling bottled, you know, pressed in on every side, or you, when you're feeling alone, that if you can begin to just say, I trust you, Lord. It's not magic, but it's like what I'm saying today, something happens. It's like something snaps. And we've got so, that's why today is just like, you know, prayer over everybody, tell everybody they're clean. Okay, you're clean. Just comes in and all the judgments and lack of judgments and all that stuff just comes off and just be done with it and just let him in and just let him run your show. I trust you. I trust you again. I feel like backed into a corner. I trust you. I don't know what I'm going to do. You don't need to. I trust you. I trust you. It's enough. He comes in on you. There is a revelation of Jesus Christ, the Christ in you that's coming on the scene in this end time move. Because this is what I found out. He said, if you just keep on doing it, eventually I'm going to have full control of you. As you can tell, he's starting to get control. He's a wild man. <laughs> you like my new shoes? Yeah. He likes them too. What I'm saying is, I was down, we were down, we were coming back from the beach yesterday. I was, we go in, we're in Starbucks. This guy comes in, he's like, I was like, I like that guy. It's like, he likes me, I like him, I can feel this connection. And I go over there, I talk to him. He's like, dude, where did you get those boots from, man? He said, I guarantee no one's got boots like this around here. <laughs> and I said, I know it. Aren't they amazing? I love them. They're ski boots. A dark horse is someone who is a candidate, listen to this, who is unexpectedly nominated or elected. 
Oh, I just, today, when we were in here worshiping the word, I said, oh man, we're together, we're doing this. And this is a company of people that's going to be like, that was unexpected, <laughs> you know. Oh, this end time thing that's coming, you know, Hollywood has nothing on this. Like they're gonna, it just blow Hollywood away. They're just like, what the heck? You know, it's, what is going on? These people are, no one has anything on it. The NFL doesn't, the NHL, the whatever. Nobody has anything on the, the move of the Lord. When the glory cloud comes down in you, <laughs> when the kavod of, of Yahweh comes down in his people, when the, the people aren't afraid of the Lord anymore and they're running towards him, they're not, they're, they're not saying, hey, Moses, you go up and run. No, we're all running after him. And he transfigures your nature and gets his full character in you and you've got divine nature running your whole entire program. You're undone and he's undone in you. He's getting a work done in your life. Oh man, the angels, devils, they've been waiting on this day, man. They're, they're looking out there, they're like, this thing's, this thing's coming. And we all know it, we can feel him. We can feel him. He's building up. He's, you know, it's like an atomic bomb or something going off inside. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. And I don't even like that song. I'm just saying. But I like that. Please don't ever sing that. But I'm still wounded. I'm still wounded. I'm still wounded. I can, I'm clean through the word. Don't you ever sing that? No. Don't stop it. <laughs> I'll completely fall out of Jesus. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> um, Isaiah 52 uh, spoke of this in uh, verses 13 through 15. Look, my servant, he will succeed. I want to give you something here because I got to help you with this. And I, I believe this will help you a lot. And you don't, again, you don't have to do this, but Dr. Michael Heiser, who just went home to be with the Lord um, on February the 20th, uh, last month, he, he's amazing, but he did a podcast. He does a podcast called Naked. I come from around here. I was born in Fletcher, so it's naked. <laughs> I would recommend going back to his podcast, Naked, and listen to, please, if you're writing this down, please take this, 411 through 420, because I get to have a good time with y'all, but I really like you to hear this material, and 411 through 420 in his podcast, Dr. Michael Heiser and Dr. Matt Halstead, uh, they trace something they call the, the uh, messianic profile or the messianic mosaic that is from the word Mashiach, which is in the Old Testament and is also known as Christos in the New Testament. To lay a good foundation in you, and I can't do 10 hours of Dr. Michael Heiser right here in 10 hours of Matt Halstead. No, I can't. But if you would take time with it, I believe that you'll be greatly imparted to and receive extremely good scholarship and um, help with the material that really is undergirding this message that I'm into with you today. Because I can't lay out, there's 39 uses of Mashiach in the uh, Old Covenant, and there are 69 uses of Mashiach or something like that, that means to smear or to anoint. They're not always used. Mashiach is the word for Messiah. They're not always used for in, in relation to Jesus. They're used uh, King David, even uh, Cyrus. 
And so there's an understanding there that's undergirding uh, this message today. And I, I can't give you all that today. And I want to. I love it. I'd rather be it, though. I would rather walk in anointing and transmit and be transformational and us walk as a company together in true transfiguration or, you know, leveling up in him in this atmosphere. But I would want you to have the robust teaching uh, that, and, and good scholarship that sits behind it. I love it. I, I put it in between my pillow at night and listen to it, wake up in the morning. I don't, you know, because Kara's sleeping, I put it in my pillow and turn it, and I listen to these guys and it's just absolute brilliant work. I want to say this, I've been, since I was knee high to a grasshopper, I've been in the church. I was dedicated first week old at the Nazarene Church in Hendersonville by mom and dad. And I, I just want to be very straight with you about this. This concept that I'm telling you about, about the Mashiach, the Messiah, the, the work of the anointing, I didn't know nothing about it until the Lord brought this understanding to me. And I, I think it's one of the greatest things I've ever come to understand. I'm going to try to attempt to just kind of give you a, a, a snapshot on it. That throughout the Old Covenant and in uh, Christology, Christos language that's in the New Covenant, that, and the Lord did this on purpose, but he paints pictures uh, through narrative text more than he gives like um, robust systemization of thought processes. He's more of a master painter weaver. Poet, now I'm not saying he's not highly structured. Today's X2M 129. There's a whole structure sitting behind it. But just like you are in your body, uh, you are about 20% static material and 80% fluid or dynamic material inside of your body. This material that I'm wanting to share with you is the 20% static material that makes up your bone kind of thing like your body's made. But the 80% dynamics is primarily what we're doing here this morning. But in the, in the uh, Mashiach or the mosaic that, that uh, Heiser calls it is this beautiful fabric or painting of the nature of God. And it's, it's sort of like over there's a little bit and you go over here and you get a little bit more over there and you get a little pull out of there and you get one over there and you get one over there and it paints this beautiful tapestry or a beautiful uh, painting or, or builds a tapestry. And what I began to have happen, or what I, my, in my understanding, the Lord's like, this is what I want to install into my people. And it is, it's, it has to be one of the most beautiful things. Um, and it's right there in the text. But unless you had eyes to see it, unless your eyes were opened by the revel, revelatory realm of the Lord, or that he had opened up your heart to see it, you could not, you no mind can hardly comprehend it because it's like right there in Genesis, there it is. Genesis 49, there he is. Numbers 24, there he is. You know, and you've got to really know your text like massively to be able, Psalms 89, Psalms 110, Psalms 45, and you pull these, extract these points out about the very nature of our Messiah, the Mashiach, the Mashiach nature that he wants to put in you. Again, Paul's called it a great mystery. He said, this is the mystery of the ages. The Lord was installed, Christ in you. And I just want you to know that that's what is going on. 
And it's so complex and beautiful. It's the greatest poetry and the greatest structural, it's the greatest structural narrative there ever has been. It, it's beautiful. It's, it's absolutely profound what God has designed for man. His divinity in your humanity. And so he says, Isaiah 52, 13 through 15, he says, look, my servant will succeed. He will be elevated, lifted high and greatly exalted. He was so disfigured that he no longer looked like a man. You know, when I was reading that this week, and we, you, you all know this passage out of Isaiah 53, this is a portion of the Mashiach, okay? And now Holy Spirit says this to me so quickly. On the outside, you see this disfigurement, but on the inside, you see transfigurement. Disfigured, not transfigured. What he's saying is, to me, was just like, I'm saying this to you, son. He's like, I'm saying to you that you're, you're, even your humanity is disfigured. No, even your own humanity is of such a capacity that it's so lower level to what you're designed for that it would be considered a disfigurement in comparison to the glory that awaits who you are. That none of us, no matter how good looking we are, it just pales in comparison to the transfiguration of God's glory that sits inside of you. We try to pretty up the barn and stuff and do the best we can with it. <laughs> but it's a disfigurement in comparison to the great transfiguration that's upon us. So much so that, that he didn't even look like a man. I thought, and I've never heard anybody explain it this way. It was the Holy Spirit spoke this to me. He said, I know because he went to the cross and we all know that that broke him and he was beat and you know, they, they took his body and marred it to the point that he was bleeding out so bad. He, he, his face and crown of thorn, I mean, they wrecked his visage, right? To, to an extreme point for us. But that all of us, in some extent, have been and are disfigured. And that we all know that this disfigurement is somehow manufactured itself in our life. And a lot of us have lived out of an identity of disfigurement. You know, not everybody feels that way about themselves. I'm sure I have most of my life had a real issue with my own personal image. And it felt like I'm completely disfigured. And I couldn't understand it until I had a dream. And you can listen to that podcast. It's called, I forgot what it's called. I'll remember it in a minute. But I was able to see on the other side and I saw my own transfigured glorified self. And I was like, no, that guy, that's one good looking fella right there. And he's like, that's me. <laughs> because in any, other, in any other way, it's a complete disfigurement. And you know, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on your heart. So when we're talking about mounting the dark horse or we're talking about this world of re-imaging, God re-imaging himself in you, uh, Romans 8 speaks about that, that you would be conformed to the image of Christ, right? That you're in a conformity process right now, that this is a part of your Christian faith, your Christian human development, that you would be brought into complete conformity to whose image? Christ. Christ. That you would have his image uh, fully installed in your soul, living his life um, in you. 
And so a lot of our, our issues have really been, our exposure has been because of the disfigurement. We recognize that something's not right. We can't agree with it in some way. We've been able to, something's off, man. Because you were made for transfiguration. You were made for glorification and you were in that body, shot down into this disfigured body for the praise of the glory of God that the blood of Jesus would be seen to shine through you, that he could take fallen humanity and he could restore them completely back to himself. Oh, what a beauty. He would take this and smear you with his anointing and put his Mashiach on you, transform you, and take us out of our disfigurement into a transfigurement. You know, our world is so beat up with this right now. They're trying this themselves. They're doing it in the body, and it was meant to be in the soul. And we have that message. We have the message for all the transgender move, the whole thing. You don't have to do this to your body. You don't have to mutilate your body. You feel disfigured, but it's in your soul. And the Lord wants to transfigure you. You receive Jesus in there and let him fix that image that's broken. Let him restore you to himself. He can fix and do amazing things. He can make us right, make us holy, and make us clean. His form was so marred that we couldn't, he didn't even look human. But now, listen, now he will startle many nations. Kings will be shocked by his exaltation. For they will witness something unannounced to them. They'll understand something they had not heard about. Can we stand together? Uh, yeah. That last song you were playing, that was really cool. Thanks. The disfigured self is, a, is such a conundrum. It's such a problem. It's such an issue. It's caused us so many problems. And the Lord wants us to be done with this. and is, He wants us to be done with it in the sense that, listen, Jesus said this to Peter. He said, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. So, who do you say that I am? He says, you're the Christ. Are you hear him? He saw in him, he saw in him the Mashiach. He saw in him, he saw in him a full orb Christology. It said Jesus wasn't much to look at. He saw him for who he really was and is. And the Lord wants us to see himself in us as he really is. It's life changing. I'm not saying you shouldn't fix your hair or get a haircut or whatever, not clean yourself. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that you shouldn't go to the gym or, or try to uh, keep yourself healthy. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying there's one who's so much more and he's inside of you right now. And he really likes you a lot and he loves you. He loves what he's made when he made you.
he's pleased about like he's rejoicing over you in you. Rejoicing like jumping up and down inside of you. And you can mount the dark horse yourself with him and you can ride with him. We were made to be conformed to the very image of God. And this conformity of transfiguration is upon us. He's marked us for this moment, the greatest moment in human history. When the blood, the efficacy of the blood would reach so far down into our humanity and upgrade our humanity all the way that we would have to put on another body. We all know something's wrong with all the, uh, the images that have been trying to go on around us that something's not been right. All this projection of the image, trying to project something that doesn't come from him. When we were made to project him out of ourselves, the projectors inside of your soul. Projecting out of your eyes, God in you. You're of the God class. You're his little brothers and sisters. I'm been made new. It's like it, he washes all through your being. You're energized by his spirit. Anointed for great, great, great exploit I was made for you Lord this is why he said to his disciples eat my flesh and drink my blood he wanted full union he knew that he would have to offend people because this is like one of the most offensive messages but the ones that were of him and through him and by him they would run to him just like you do and just like you have and, and just like you always will because you're his I was created for you Lord I was created for you Lord I was made for you Lord I am clean and I am been made holy and I've been made to exhibit your truth I was made to know your ways and to walk with you, Lord. Have your way with me and do your way with us, Lord. Be yourself with us, Lord. I was made for love. I was made for you, Lord. For your glory, Lord, that you would receive all the praise and the honor that you're due. I pray for an impartation in this room, a greater union. A greater freedom, a greater glory, 
great glory. And grace, grace be unto you. The greater grace come down on you. Great grace, great grace on you. Pour out abundance of grace. Behold the servant, the branch, a root out of dry ground. The desire of the nations. While Stephen plays, you um, come for communion. We'll take it together as a family.
Zechariah chapter 3, verse 8. Listen now, Joshua the high priest, both you and your colleagues who are sitting before you, all of you. You're a symbol that I am about to introduce my servant, the branch. And as for the stone I've set before Joshua on the one stone, there are seven eyes. I'm about to engrave an inscription on it. Says the Lord who rules over the all. all. To the fact that I will remove the iniquity of this land in a single day. You hear it? iniquity in a single day today in that day says the Lord who rules over all everyone will invite his friend to fellowship under his vine and under his fig tree praises come out of people.
May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may you have peace. Amen. Bless you today. Shining bright. 